0: You may be wondering, why in the world is a new Faith Driven Investor podcast popping up on a Thursday? And what could Scott Drew, the coach of the Baylor basketball team, have to do with investing? Well, we're excited to announce that we're launching a new initiative, the Faith Driven Athlete. We're bringing you this special episode because this weekend would have been the start of the NCAA Final Four. And Scott Drew is one of the coaches who would likely have been competing for a title. Our passion is to show how God moves in all of our work, as entrepreneurs, investors, athletes, and more. So if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the Faith Driven Athlete Podcast to hear more from athletes like Kirk Cousins, Jeremy Lin, Adam LaRoche, and more in the coming weeks. Welcome to the Faith Driven Investor podcast. If you're a fund manager, investor, financial advisor, or business owner driven by your faith, or want to be driven by your faith, then you're in the right place. This is a podcast brought to you by Faith Driven Investor. The best way to stay connected about new episodes and new content for Faith Driven Investors is to sign up for our monthly newsletter at faithdriveninvestor.org. This podcast doesn't exist without you, our community. Please send us any thoughts that you have about how this podcast and our site might better serve you or any questions you might have about being a faith-driven investor. All opinions expressed on this podcast, including the
1: team and guests, are solely their opinions. Hosts and guests may maintain positions in the companies and securities discussed. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as specific investment advice for any individual or
2: organization. If we're playing for God and we're doing everything we can to bring him honor and glory, then everything else will take care of itself. And we have a lot of spiritually strong guys on the team. We have some guys on the team that uh, the relationships are growing, or hopefully everyone's are growing, but have grown over this past year. And I know as a coach, there's nothing more exciting for me when you see a player uh, get baptized or you see them take their relationship to another level. We had one player that accepted Christ at Baylor and then turned around and led some Bible studies with his junior national team and just seeing how his transformation, how God was working through him. I mean, at the end of the day, when we get to heaven and we see all the people up there that uh, we're blessed to have a chance to have an impact with, uh, I think that'll be the real win. Welcome, everyone, to a very,
1: very special episode, our first of the Faith Driven Athlete Podcast. In the sports world, this time of year is known for one thing, and it's called madness. And while we're used to watching the madness play out on the court, COVID-19 turned the world upside down and left a lot of athletes sitting with empty hands and unfinished seasons. One of those teams was the Baylor men's basketball program, led by Coach Scott Drew. Entering his 17th season, Coach Drew was leading one of the most talented teams in the country and arguably the best Baylor team of all time. But their dream of a Final Four vanished in the face of a worldwide virus. Scott Drew let us in on the challenges he faced early in his career, the faith that carried him through it all, and how he's responding to life's most recent curveball. Let's join Henry, Justin, and a special guest, our friend Jason Romano, formerly of ESPN
0: and now Sports Spectrum, for a special episode. So welcome to the Faith Driven Athlete Podcast. It is a super cool day for us here at the Faith Driven Media Complex and it's because we're releasing our first ever Fate Driven Athlete podcast, and we've got an incredibly special guest, Scott Drew. Coach Drew is with us. Many of you know about the success of the Baylor basketball team. And as Justin and I, who as many of you know is the executive producer of Fate Driven Entrepreneur, and I were talking about the launch of Fate Driven Athlete, Justin being a Baylor grad was a strong advocate for... Coach Drew coming on board, and while we've got a number of great commitments from some high-profile athletes, Jeremy Lim and Adam LaRoche, a whole bunch of great folks, it's a special treat for us to start with Coach Drew. Great story, top of the news with a basketball team that has done so well. And we're excited about the Faith Driven Athlete in this particular interview because there's so much overlap between what a coach looks like and what entrepreneurs look like. Uh, and what they work on and what investors look at is we look to lead in the marketplace. So the Faith Driven Athlete is going to be a standalone media product. It's going to have its own podcast. We have its own website. And yet there's a lot of great parallels between what we also feel called to do, which is to minister to Faith Driven Entrepreneurs and Faith Driven Investors. So welcome. We're glad you're here. Coach Drew, a special honor for us to have you on. And, and we're hoping that as we just get started off, one of the things we always like to do when we have people on our programs is to hear a bit of their background and some of their stories. So start us off with that, please.
2: Well, I can tell you what, you're the first ones to see this beard. All right. So uh, I've never had a it's beard a before. I'm one of those one of those clean shaven guys. So uh, being at home now and since I'm the PE teacher, we have three stay home kids that I uh, have a 15 year old daughter and then two sons, 12 and nine. So uh, mom handles the homeschool and online And then I'm in charge of PE. So they're just about to finish this afternoon. And then I get to go handle the PE classes with them. But what I actually did, and this is something that uh, I'll get in the history in a second. But what I decided was, since I'm going to be at home and on the phone a lot, Why not take advantage of this and make the most of it? So what you see is you see the T-shirt. So what I've actually done is if I'm going to be on the phone for six hours, I might as well be on the elliptical or a treadmill or walking around the block and killing two birds with one stone. So that's what I've done along with being a PE teacher. The one thing I know investing wise Probably after this time, most people will say if teachers want to raise, everybody will be in favor of that because I think everyone sees just how difficult their job is. But it's been a blessing to spend time with the family. As far as my family history goes, I grew up in a basketball family. My dad got inducted this past year into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, He's a great coach, a great mentor, but most of all, uh, he's a better dad. And he's the one that uh, head of the household and at an early age, it's great to be in sports, but just like investing and just like coaching, the only thing that really matters is winning the game of life. And that is making sure we're all in heaven one day and taking as many people with us as possible. So uh, this has been an opportunity where I've been able to coach with my dad and he's been able to mentor me. And then I've been able to run my own program. And then my brother's been able to work with my dad and then run his own program. And from that, uh, it's really uh, what our staff says. It's a ministry and basketball's the carrot. And we get a chance to impact people's lives. And at Baylor University, it's the largest Baptist school in the nation. And preparing champions for life, it's not just athletics, it's also character, it's spiritual, and it's academic. And we're blessed to have an athletic director and a president that care about the total being of our students and want us to have an impact in all four areas. And that kind of gives you a brush over my history, and then we can get into depth if you want to talk about our basketball program or what we do spiritually with our guys, I will tell you this, and that is hopefully after this podcast we don't ruin it where no one comes back on it. All right. So I know one thing we start every staff meeting in prayer. And it was great starting in prayer with this group because hopefully we can be a positive influence being able to share some of the things of how God's impacted our lives. Indeed.
3: Coach, I'm gonna lay my cards on the table here early. Graduated from Baylor the year that you came to Waco. You know many people have come to know Baylor recently for so much of the success, but few can appreciate the mountain of challenges that you faced when you first arrived. You know, prior to your arrival, uh, there were fractions that led to most of the team transferring. You weren't even allowed to play non-conference games and, and watched as, as the season started for everybody else. Could you go back for us for a minute? What were some of the beginning steps towards really changing the culture? And when did you feel like it started turning around?
2: Well, that's a great question from the standpoint. I think if you look at starting a new company, that's basically what we did was rebuild a program from the ground up because I can't remember any other program where you come into it. And we had basically between uh, five and seven scholarship players in that first year. And most of our team were walk ons and you might have come to tryouts. And I'm sorry if it didn't work out for you, but it actually was a great great blessing for so many because not only could you walk on the team, but you actually had a chance to play. So it was a great deal for any college student because over about half our team were walk ons that year. So the first thing we did was we looked all throughout the campus and tried to see if there was anybody over six foot three that could play basketball. And then the second thing is we had a big walkout tryout announcement and we were so pleasantly surprised. We walk into the gym and we see a bunch of people that we hadn't seen around campus and a bunch of good looking athletes. And we call everyone over and we say, okay, what year are you at Baylor? What's your major? Where do you live? And at that point, a couple hands went up and said, Well, coach, I'm from Dallas and I thought I could just try out for the team. Well, I'm from Waco. I just thought I could try out for the team. I'm from a junior college. I thought I could just try out with team. We actually have to go to school at Baylor. So <laughs> then we, we lost a bunch of the six, three and above walk-ons. And then we were able to put the team together for that first year. And really, what a blessing that year to win three conference games when most people would have thought that we were going to win zero. And then the next year, we were able to start to recruit scholarship players. And it was actually the third year, what you talked about, where we weren't able to have a non-conference. And that was probably the most difficult of all the years, year three into the rebuild from the standpoint Every other team starts playing games and your team practices all the way into January. And then when you finally start playing games, you're so far behind everybody else. It's kind of like everybody has Spanish one, Spanish two, and now they're on Spanish three and you're just entering the class and you're like, wait a minute. Or if you, I use the uh, analogy in Texas, you know, we drive 75 on the highway. So you're on a highway going 75 and then the people getting on the ramp are going 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 and trying to catch up so I say all that to say we waited all this time we practiced all this amount and then we start playing games and we're so far behind we start losing it wasn't fun it wasn't enjoyable, but we did finish the year on a high note we were able to win some games and get some momentum, which led to us eventually getting into the NCAA tournament, I believe it was year five 2007 2008 around that area. Um, When you've been into school for, this is going on year 18 now, all the memories kind of go together. But what I know is really important and really critical with this is I prayed about coming to Baylor. I felt led to be here. We had a great staff and we were able to each and every day grow closer to God through the trials and tribulations of building a program and then be able to see the impact with a lot of those players still coming to games, still ask us questions about, it might be marital advice, family advice, spiritual advice, and to be able to have such an impact on their lives or be able to have an impact on their lives. And now to see the success of our program and then feel a part of it for what they helped start, that's probably the most rewarding thing and uh, really blessed with the early years, even though we didn't get a lot of wins, those guys helped laid the foundation for what transpired. And now probably, uh, you might know this, but in the last 12 years and now since seasons over the last 13 years, we're one of only a few power five schools to win 18 or more games. The others being uh, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, Michigan State, and Baylor. And that's great consistency. And we owe all that to the players that began it and went through the tough times that allowed us to get where we're at now.
3: That's great, Coach. You know, one of the guys that we just recently had on uh, the related Faith Driven Entrepreneur podcast is Pat Lincioni, just been always encouraged and challenged by some of the things he talks about. One of his books, Ideal Team Player, just talks about what are some of the key characteristics in culture. When you talk about that process of shaping these men and young men just through that turnaround, what were some of the ideal characteristics that you would say that, you saw in your teams, but also that entrepreneurs can be looking for in their teams as well as they're listening
2: to this, There are some of those, you know, ideal characteristics for building that new team? Great question. And that's one thing that's never changed since day one. We wanted to recruit people of high character, people that were great teammates. They were humble, hardworking, blue collar type athletes that wanted to uh, grow spiritually academically and also uh, in basketball and character wise so for us that that's never really changed what I've always done with that is coaches are only as good as the players and their staff. So uh, I've been able to learn from our players. I've also been able to learn from our staff. And that's why you always want to surround yourself with people that make you better and fill areas that you might not be as strong in. And that's where each and every year, if you look at our team, probably the best thing that we ever do is we have a chapel service on days of the game. And on the road, it's our assistant coaches lead it. On home games, it's Pastor Mark Weibel, a local pastor leads it. And those are times where spiritually we're really able to have an impact on our guys and The coaches and Pastor Weibel have an impact on all of us. And that's one of the toughest things with not having a march right now is normally that's during your most stressful times. That's when you you lean on God the most. And that's when you grow the most. And missing that time is something that I know I miss. As far as early on, I think any investor, any business, everybody can relate to this. And that is with us, we practice real hard. You work really hard and your paycheck is the win. And what I mean by that is everything you're doing is geared in the payoff is getting the profit of wins and same thing in a business. You spend all this time and effort, but if you're losing money, that doesn't give you the positive reinforcement you're looking for. So it's even harder to have an impact in people's lives during that time. And that's why with us, I mean, especially early on when you were only winning a handful of games and our players weren't getting the praise or the affirmation from the wins that you normally get in sports, it was really important to make sure spiritually they knew just how proud God was of them and our coaching staff was of them and how at the end of the day, we wanted to control what we can control and keep them, improving and getting better and eventually we'll get to where we're gonna be successful on the wins and loss column as well.
3: That's great. Thanks for sharing that coach. You know, I'm gonna hold back a little bit to something you were alluding to and I think Henry was talking about earlier is, you know, I've seen you celebrate professions of faith as big as you do some of the biggest wins in your career. And it's was fun to see recently a post about, you know, one of the standouts of this year's team, Mark Vital, getting baptized recently. If you could, just keep riffing on this for a little bit. What does it look like to walk out your faith at a place like Baylor? What are some of the things that make Senior Day different and mm-hmm. some of the things unique?
2: Well, I think the best thing is uh, uh, coaches always steal great ideas from other coaches. And uh, there's a book up by Pete Carroll it said, the, the Smart Take from the Strong and one thing that different ideas different podcasts um, just everywhere any good ideas that can help benefit our program and our young people we want to incorporate and just being at baylor uh, and having an athletic director and a president that wants you to have an impact it makes it even easier to do that but some things that we do that are different maybe it's some places is like at practice, we have a no cussing policy. And if you cuss, you got pushups or you run lines and that's for coaches, for players. And none of us are perfect. We know we're saved by grace and we all sin. But at the end of the day, we have a lot of young people that come to practices at games. You have a lot of young people there and we want to be positive role models and influences for them. We begin every practice, end every practice in prayer, our chapel services, we have voluntary Bible studies for our guys. So it's something where as a staff, when I meet with their staff, we usually, we try to begin every meeting in prayer and we have a coach's Bible study and iron sharpens iron. And that's where I'm able to grow. And I've been blessed to surround myself with some people that are great coaches, but I tell you what, they might be better ministers than they are even coaches. And a lot of our coaches have had ministry backgrounds. Uh, One was a youth ministry for eight years. Another one's dad was a pastor and another one's family was in the ministry. And again, I think that's how I've been able to just grow as a coach and spiritually be able to each and every day by being around our staff, hopefully be able to improve. And with that, with our players, it's just our culture. It's part of what we do. And some years we had as many as six or seven guys baptized in a year. This year, uh, Mark Vidal was baptized. And to see the players rally around that and support that and be excited for that. And at the end of the day, that's really the only winning that matters. And I know it's a little different right now with all of us spending time at home with our families and I think it's a blessing to be able to do that because coaches, we spend so much time with our other kids and that's our 18 to 22 year olds that we're with every day that sometimes that's what we miss out is an opportunity to be around our kids as much as we are now. And that's where we're all blessed. If you're a successful coach, that means you have a great wife at home. That's doing a great job helping raise your young kids and, Now we're all having a chance to spend some more time at home and do that as well. But it's also a time to sharpen our axes. And uh, what that means is uh, there's great podcasts, there's great books to read, and some different things that we have an opportunity to all do that normally when you're ripping and running, you might not have a chance to do that.
4: Coach, I want to ask you, obviously, you've alluded this a few times that you're now home, and it's a little bit different March than maybe you've ever experienced. We're taping this uh, just to give some context for our audience in late March of 2020. And we're all going through this crazy time with the coronavirus and the pandemic and obviously our hearts go out to everyone who's trying to recover from that and going through this difficult time and this tragedy and affected by it but I want to ask you about specifically your situation this was one of those unique years that you could sense maybe this is the year for Baylor 23 game winning streak 26 and 4 on the year and all of a sudden it's just gone the tournament's canceled and there is no basketball can you take us back to when you found out that news and kind of how you processed it?
2: Well, this is where our players, what they spend all their life for as far as their college experience is the NCAA tournament, having a chance to play in the NCAA tournament and make your name for your university and yourself in the NCAA tournament. It doesn't get any bigger in March for us. And this is probably the first time in school's history we'd have been a number one seed because that's what everybody projected us. And we had so many accomplishments this year setting a Big 12 record with 23 straight wins in a row and that's a record that uh, I don't know if will be broken in anytime soon because the record we broke was Kansas's that was set I think in 96, 97 and uh, it's so hard to win games and string them together with the parody of college basketball but we were also ranked number one longer than anyone since 2015 with Kentucky and that was all geared up to okay what can we do in the Big 12 tournament what can we do in the NCAA tournament because those are your biggest goals and we're at the Big 12 Tournament. We're getting ready to prepare to play Kansas State. And next thing we know is instead of going to shoot around, we call the guys together and say, The Big 12 tournament's just been canceled. And right away, I started talking about this is what we're going to do. We're going to meet at six. We're going to go home. And then one of the players asked, Well, wait a minute. We got to do what? And it was like it didn't really sink in. Yeah, the Big 12 tournament's canceled. We're not going to play. We're going home. They're not going to make it up. And then everybody kind of went their own separate ways. And a couple hours later, We find out that the NCAA tournament's canceled, and we bring the guys together. And normally in sports, the last game of the year, coaches always want to thank their seniors for the contributions and what they meant to your program. And I wanted to make sure we did that as well, because when you get back to campus, a lot of times people go their separate ways. It's hard to get together. And we started to do that. One of our seniors right away said, coach, 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 let's talk about all the blessings we had. Let's talk about the 23 game win streak. Let's talk about being ranked number one. Let's talk about this, this, this. We went to Italy as a team and right away that kind of summed up our team. We had a bunch of guys that really love to spend time together. They love to work really hard every game they brought it, but they really played for each other. And in coaching, we say, if you like who you're with, you fight for them a lot harder. And I know our guys really enjoyed one another and had a great attitude. But probably the thing I was most pleased with with our group was that we'd been ranked number one back in, I think, 2016, 2017, and lasted only one week. This time when we were ranked number one, it went five weeks and, again, went longer than anyone since 2015 with Kentucky. And so, so pleased and impressed with how our players – Handled the attention in the platform, and one thing we always say is we want to play with joy, and that's Jesus, others, yourself. And during all the interviews, just seeing how our players would give the honor and glory to God and then to their teammates, and not make it about themselves, was just encouraging and really uplifting. And hopefully, for those that listen, were great role models for a lot of young people out there because that's what sports is really about. And then at the end of the day, the people that get that—it's very similar to successful companies. Uh, I have a lot of Christian business owners. And for instance, during this time, those owners are, how can I take care of the needs of my employees? How can I help them? The people that I know that aren't necessarily Christian business owners, it's more about their profit and themselves. And it's so refreshing to see great Christian business owners that want to make sure their employees are taken care of. And at the end of the day, that's, that's what matters is helping others.
4: And yet there's still disappointment and there's still, you know, you have to allow yourself to have those emotions that are just like, man, if if we just had this shot, can you take us back to where you were kind of processing this yourself before you tell your team? Cause it sounds like what you just described, your team handled it pretty well, but I have to imagine that was hard for you.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, the first thing is after the big 12 tournament was canceled, I'm a guy that I got to be doing something. And right away, I was talking with several of the other college coaches, uh, some of the bigger name, more successful coaches. What can we do with the NCA tournament? Can we postpone it? What ideas, suggestions can we to maybe help salvage this? And then the announcement came down that we weren't going to have it. And right away, my shift and focus was on the players. And after they lifted my spirits, went back to the room. And then when you're packing and then when you first get home, that's when it really hits you. The next day, some of us are glasses half full kind of people, and that's how I am, and probably get that from my dad, and so the next day, I moved on to, how can we help? Can we get a fifth year for our seniors? Uh, How can we help them with their careers? And then right away, we had to find out do we get our players home do we keep them on campus because everything was shifting as far as how the rest of the semester would turn out and really after that I was good with it and what I mean go with it is God always has a plan and let's focus we say control what we can control we're not going back and changing and bringing the tournament back although our players did tell me to make sure the NCAA knew if they ever want to have it in August or June or July we'll be there All right. But (laughs) besides that, it was really focusing on the future and how we could help. And again, that's where you get your greatest reward. I mean, Christmas time, it's not the gifts you get. It's the presents you give and seeing the excitement and joy on uh, other people's faces when you're able to bring them joy.
4: One more for me, coach. Uh, I want to ask you about playing for an audience of one. And I know not only you, but your players say things like that a lot in post-game interviews. You've alluded to that and living for a greater purpose. But this weekend as we're kind of taping this could be a time where you could be playing for a final four berth and yet you're not. So what does that phrase playing for an audience of one mean to you and your team? Maybe right now, it certainly looks a little different than maybe it would have if you were playing.
2: Well, the first thing is since the tournament was canceled, we decided that we would have probably won it. So we're good with knowing that if they would have had the tournament, we would have probably won. But uh, And the good thing is there's 68 other teams saying the same thing. So a lot of national champs this year, Uh, but one thing is again for me uh i was blessed to coach on a couple athletes and action tours and at that point it really some of the playing for an audience of one hit home with me and with our players at the end of the day if we're playing for god and we're doing everything we can to bring him honor and glory then everything else will take care of itself and we have a lot of spiritually strong guys on the team we have some guys on the team that uh The relationships are growing, or hopefully everyone's are growing, but have grown over this past year. And I know as a coach, there's nothing more exciting for me when you see a player uh, get baptized or you see them take their relationship to another level. We had one player that accepted Christ at Baylor and then turned around and led some Bible studies with his junior national team and just seeing how his transformation, how God was working through him. I mean, at the end of the day, when we get to heaven and we see all the people up there that uh, we're blessed to have a chance to have an impact with, uh, I think that that'll be the real winning.
0: Coach, I'm just, I'm incredibly impressed by the way that you've Process all the things that have happened this year, the way you've led, the the results that you've had, and also your commitment to your faith and your openness and sharing that, not just on a Faith-Driven Athlete podcast where you'd expect you would, but in mainstream media as well. It's just a great encouragement for me and what I do. One of the things we do when we close out any interview that we do with a business leader or an investor or across any of our properties is we want to ask them what they're hearing from god through their time in the bible and, and it doesn't need to be this morning necessarily it could be over the last week or over the last month but is there something that right now that you feel that god is showing you through your time in his word
2: well actually we're starting every morning with a family devotional and and my wife's uh she's a technology person so uh, we're able to use some different things on the tv with that but it's amazing how a lot of times us coaches, we're trying to always impact 18 to 22 year olds. And then just to see the difference of spiritually trying to, I I don't know how to say dumb it down, but how to be able to influence a a seven-year-old or a six-year-old or an eight or nine or 10. So anyway, that's really been my change or my focus because this is really a blessing when this is over. Hopefully everyone chooses to make the most of this time. And we have a great impact opportunity with our young people where maybe we don't always, uh, aren't around for a chance to give them devotionals in the morning because normally they're going their separate ways. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but what I'm searching for now and in the Bible, what I don't know if it's something that God's speaking uh, as far as through his word, but right now what I'm hoping and praying for is that I can continue during this time where we can look back and spiritually the last two or three weeks at home or month or whatever it is, we've been able to have an influence and impact on our children that normally we wouldn't be able to. Yeah. And what I mean by that is normally, you know, you're getting up late rushing for school. And and some people do devotions on the morning before school. Two of our kids go to a Christian school and they get that in the morning. But this is, uh, my prayer is at the end of uh, the next two, three or four weeks, however long we're at home, that's what we've been able to do with our kids. And trying to find different ways to reach them and impact them, I think is an area that I'm focusing on right now. So again, I don't know if it's through the word right now. And one thing I try to do is this is right, wrong, I, and different. Everyone uh, has different ways of reading the Bible, and I try to take two chapters a night and go through it. And but right now, that's if if we could look back at this time, I think as I told my staff we can really have an impact on our kids because with our coaching profession and maybe some business owners that are gone and working 18 hours a day or 16 hours a day, our kids are going to see us more in this short period of time than they would any other time besides a family vacation. And I think we can really have an impact on
0: them. Yeah, we absolutely can. I, I just, I'm left with this, this impression about how much joy that you have. I'm so grateful that you would come on board Uh, Of course, all the things that have happened that have negatively impacted sports has allowed us to have you as a guest. And but the illustration of this, the image that I've got in my mind is you being this PE coach to these three (laughs) kids, instead of being in front of millions of fans on CBS and all the lights and all that stuff. And yet, I get a sense that you're leaning into that and that opportunity just as much as you lean into the other one. So that's a great encouragement. I've got three kids too, so thank you for that. Thank you for your time and sharing your story. May God bless you and Baylor basketball.
2: Well, and thank you for what you do with this podcast. And the last shout out I will leave is for all the teachers out there. We love you. <laughs> Amen. Yes, Amen. Yes, 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 we
0: do.
1: As we finish each faith-driven athlete episode, we like to spotlight a ministry at the intersection of faith and sports. Sports Spectrum is a magazine and website ministry that are there to help equip, encourage, and use the platform of sports to share the gospel. Thank you so much for joining us on today's show. We're very, very grateful for the opportunity to serve the larger faith-driven investor community. Hey, the best way for you to stay connected is to sign up for our monthly newsletter at faithdriveninvestor.org. And while you're there, we, of course, want to hear from you. We derive great joy from interacting with many of you. And it's been very rewarding to see people join the discussion now from all around the world. But it's also very important to us that you feel like this is your show and that you'll help make it something that best equips you on your journey. One that you're proud of and one that you'll share with others. This podcast, it wouldn't be possible without the help from many of our friends, executive producer Justin Foreman program director johnny wills music by carl kegwell you can see and hear more of his work at summerdragons.com and audio and editing by richard barley of cornerstone church in san
0: francisco